you looking for valuable business advice to reach that seven-figure revenue mark? Do you want actionable tips to properly navigate through every business challenge you encounter along the way? Let Tersh Blissett and Josh Crouch be your guide in getting you to the top here at Service Business Mastery. Tune in as they sit down with world-renowned authors in business, leadership, and personal growth who share valuable insights about management, marketing, pricing, human resources, and so much more. Let their nuggets of wisdom gold guide you in owning a thriving, profitable, and ever-growing business. Here are your hosts, Tersh and Josh. Hello, everyone out there in podcast world. Hope you're having a great day. You are listening to or watching the Service Business Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Church Blissett. Today, we're going to talk with Mr. Philip Zimmerman about one of my favorite topics. Uh, it's, it's me. So we get to talk a lot about me, and I'm looking forward to that. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to talk about why millennials don't suck. And since I am a millennial, I can throw myself in here, and I, I'm super interested in, in seeing what, what Phil has to say. He has a book that's out talking about millennials and the importance of millennials in our future. And so there's a stigma about how millennials suck and they're horrible employees. They don't show up to work, blah, blah, blah. You know, we've all heard the negative things that that come and, and are associated with millennials. And for a while, there's a lot of us millennials that were embarrassed to be called millennials because uh, we are ashamed to have that tag associated with us. And now it's, it's more of a badge of honor. And it's because of people like Phil that are bringing to the surface, the hard workers and the, the things that are really going to change due to millennials and, and what they're going to bring, bring out uh, in our future. So with that being said, Phil, uh, welcome to the show. Appreciate it, Tarsh. Great to be on your show. Appreciate you having me as your guest. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and what makes you an expert in millennials. All right. Uh, started my career. I'm an engineer by degree, civil engineer, bachelor's, bachelor's and master's degree in civil engineering. And nice. Uh, got into the environmental engineering field right, right when it was beginning in 1980 and practiced the environmental engineering field for 20 years as a consultant. Uh, after six years, I became a business owner and, and uh, built it up to about a $5 million company, 50, 50 plus employees. Did that in four years. I sold the company, became an executive vice president of global company, uh, division manager, and uh, ran uh, 20, started with 25 people in, in the office that they acquired and grew to about 150 people, $15 million in revenue, another four years. Nice. Uh, then left that organization, became a, a CEO of a company, another environmental, largest environmental service provider in the state of Louisiana. I was a CFO there and then a COO at a, a software development firm. And then had a life change experience, probably about age 38. And uh, I wasn't looking for, it, but I, I, I had, I guess, a radical salvation experience. People would call it. I went from believing in, in Christianity, believing in Jesus, to knowing Him in, in an intimate way. Wow! Changed my whole life, and as a result of that, I, I was struggling for about three years trying to figure out what I was going to do. Now that I knew it was true, I believed it was true before, but now that I knew it was true, how could I keep doing what I was doing? And I had a lot of resources in the bank and that kind of stuff, and and ended up uh, going to seminary full time as, as a full time student. Graduated with a Master of Divinity degree and, and had no idea what I was going to do. And an opening opened up at our uh, school where my kids were going. And they needed a seventh and eighth grade science teacher. And I said, man, I don't want to teach seventh and eighth grade science. But <laughs> hey, the door was open and, and it was a Christian school. So they had a Bible department. So I went there and ended up uh, teaching seventh and eighth grade science for a semester. And then uh, taught uh, a Bible for the upper school, predominantly seniors for the, in the upper school. 
And in that process, I was into class and uh, had caught a student plagiarizing and which is, you know, not unusual. Right. Took him outside, explained to him why the plagiarizing was bad. And he denied plagiarizing. I said, oh, you, mean you can't deny plagiarizing. It's, you, you did it. I did not do it. It's my own writing. I said, that's, it's not your own writing. Yes, it is. So I said, wait a minute. So I pulled out that I went on the internet. I found where he, where he got his resource. I had printed off the resource he'd gotten it from. I said, look, here's where you got this off the internet. And here's your text. It's word for word from this internet resource. He said, I know. He said, I said, well, okay, that's plagiarism. He said, no, it's not. He said, I typed it myself. <laughs> Wait, no, no. Plagiarism is it? It doesn't it has nothing to do with the typing. You use their words. Those are my words. I put them in the computer myself. <laughs> so I, I went. So you're still getting a zero, and I, and I was just so I was frazzled. Yeah. So we uh, the next class, I had the students came in because they'd all heard about the incident because I'd mentioned to the class that you know what, what you know, something was because I came in rather upset. Right. Yeah. And so the, day, so the next class, I told what happened. You know, student plagiarized. I didn't mention the person's name. It wasn't important. I said, uh, what do you think about that? Is, it, is plagiarism okay? Is, is that right? And I said, and the, and the fact that he would deny it to my face. And the student raised their hand. And I said, yes. He said, uh, yes, I think that was okay. And so I thought, okay, here we go. I go Why is that okay? He said, uh, lie, lying is okay for us. And I said, oh, lying is okay for you. Can you explain that? Like, he took about eight minutes to do it, but the short reason was you, it's okay to lie if you get if you if you get what you want and nobody gets hurt. That that, that that's okay to lie. That <laughs> if you don't get caught, nobody gets hurt, and, and and you get what you want. So I said that 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 just doesn't sound right. No. So I asked the class. Now I'm teaching at a Christian school, teach high school seniors. Said how many students agree with what he just said? There's 18 kids in the class at that time. Eight, all 18 hands went up. I was like, oh, this is or pulling my leg. No, no, yeah. no, I'm really serious. Had I had about 88 students that day. I did the same thing in all the classes. I would say six out of the 88 students did not raise their hands. Really? So I realized something is going on here that where this idea of lying is okay, as long as it, you get what you want, get away with it, and nobody gets hurt. And so I started investigating this whole, the, 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 that, that whole idea of why is lying okay. I went to our headmaster about it. He said, man, we need to do something about this. And so I started a, a working on an institute of leadership at the school where I was to try to help improve the, the ideas of truth and justice in our student body. Ended up getting going and getting a doctorate degree in organizational leadership to help put this thing together. Wow, and doing like background you are taking research. this serious. Oh, yeah, man. Look, it's, it, 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 it blew my mind. It totally. Yeah, it's blowing it my mind up. right now. You know, I'd, I'd been teaching seniors for probably for eight years up to that point and had never really thought anything other than they're great kids and they're going to go to college and get great jobs and. And I mean, I, that, my experience with, with millennials in the classroom, I started teaching in 2003. So really when you're, the millennials first started entering the workforce was in around 2004. So yeah, I was teaching those students who were going into the workforce. And so by 2010, when I'm doing this, or this research on the students that I had taught, you know, the, their, their generation, and they're entering the workforce and they're being totally discredited. They're entitled. Yeah. They don't want to work. They're disloyal. They're looking just for yeah. somebody to pay them an extra nickel and they'll go take another job for an extra nickel an hour and just horrible stuff about the millennial generation. I said, that's not who I've been teaching. This is something's going on. Yeah. And the more I did research, the more those articles kept popping up. And so I, I sat back and I said, okay, and by this time I had done a lot of worldview studies and why, why people think the way they think. Yeah. And four things came to my mind as I went through this research and it, it was, a philosophical change, and that has to do with this idea of 
honesty and justice or truth and justice, there was a philosophical change that happened. That happened in the 19, after World War II, when that's when the postmodern period, we're now postmodern period, but that's when the postmodern period began. Mm-hmm. And postmodernism is anti-philosophy. I won't get into all this, but basically it, there is, there is no truth. It's all individualized and right. It's uh, all relative. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had a bit, we had a business age change. So we had two huge age changes. We had a philosophical age change and we had a business age change. And the business age went from the industrial age, which had been 400 years of, you know, making things with our hands and with machines, very organized. Uh, we knew how to do it and we had to educate people to that, for, to this idea of the connected age. We're now in the connected age. And there was, we went to the information age, the tech, well, the technology age, information age. We finally morphed into the connected age. But as a result of that, we had three things that changed. One was our economics or the way we, we handle money. The economies of the world changed. We went from local to global. Mm-hmm. Uh, technology uh, changed with, we went from pen and paper to the Supercomputers in your pocket. Supercomputers in your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, our education system changed. We went from rows and column teaching, uh, where the teacher was the was the expert, and the students were learned what the teacher had to say. To the resources were available globally on the internet, and the teacher became a facilitator of group activity mm. to uh, to investigate things. Part and, and that education part is really what what is driving the the the, the future. So that's. That's what I discovered. I discovered why millennials were like they were like. And what was happening was that they were educated for connected age for a connected age workforce or connected age workplace, and they were entering industrial age workplaces, and they operate completely different differently. Yeah. And the main difference is that in industrial age, you know what you're going to do. You know, we've been doing this for 400 years. This is what we're making. This is how we make it. This is how you do it. Because of the rise of of technology in the business sector. And I wouldn't have known this had I not been an educator, but being a teacher, you have to develop this, uh, this idea of a rubric of how are you going to, you know, what are the metrics and measure, measurement of a student's ability to excel in a particular subject, not just for that year, but for their entire school career. Mm. So educators were looking at, okay, if we have a first grader today and these computers are now in the, in the classroom, what is a student going to have to be able to know by the time they graduate from college where this computer is going to be in 16 years? What's this computer going to be doing in 16 years? Uh, the time, in 2014, the head of the Duke Educational Department wrote a book. And in this book, she said that and for the people, the kids that were in second grade then, so that would have been in 2014, by the time yeah. they graduate from college, 60% of the jobs they will occupy have not yet even been invented. We need to be able to, we need to start educating students for jobs that have not yet been invented. How do you, well, how do, you do that? that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, well, it's very, well, it's fascinating. You can do it. And how you do it is, is okay. The, for, and, and this gets back down to millennials and, and yeah. do, uh, do, let me chase this for a second. You're good. Okay. The, when, when I, when I deal with executives and my, I have a coaching practice and a consulting practice and I help business executives and their executive teams set their company up to be re- really led by millennials sooner than later. And part of this process is, and so I'm, I'm dealing with CEOs, presidents and their executive team, and then their millennial talent. And then, but for the CEOs and executives, the first thing I'll do is I'll go to the president of a small company or even a big company, been with big companies as well. I say, when was the last time a, a brand new millennial hire walked up to your door, just knocked on your door and walked in and asked what you were working on. <laughs> and, uh, oh, no, no. They, they say, I, 
cannot believe you just, I can't believe you just said that. That just happened again, like last week. That's funny. They, somebody, this kid knocks on my door, you know, is this 20 something year old. I don't have no, I haven't a clue who he is. I didn't even know we hired the person. Knocks on my door. He says, uh, yeah, excuse me, Mr. Fred, uh, what are you working on? <laughs> it's like, who are you? Well, I just got hired last week over in the such and such department. Just came by to say hello and introduce myself and just find out what you're working on. That's hilarious. And, and that, because the uh, the how they were educated in the in the boomer and older Xer realm, we were educated with the teacher being the the you know the ruler of the classroom. Mm-hmm. They were the expert authority on whatever the subject matter was, and there were no questions except to the teacher. And you t- taught that you know, had respect for the teacher in that regard. Yeah, for the for your generation, for the millennials, and really for the second half of the millennials, and in, 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 in all out in this way. Mm-hmm. is that the teacher was no longer the expert. They were to go find the experts online or in whatever resources they could find and use the best experts available for their work. So they got very used to this idea. There's not really a hierarchy of authority. And they had the right, and, and not just the right, but the need to be able to talk to the best authority about whatever it was that they were working on. So that's why so I would say that's why these people are coming in to talk to you. They're not, yeah. they're not trying to be disrespectful. They just know that you have to be the ultimate authority in the company because you own the company or you're running the company. And so they want to find out what the, what the, what the authority is working on. And here's why that's important. Because they were, in, they were educated for jobs that have not yet been invented. They know that they're just one app away from being a gazillionaire, right? Very true. Because there's, there, there's something that they can come up with on an app that will so totally disrupt or add something new that is not there that they can put on whatever for $1.99 on Apple, you know, the app store on Google play and, and be a gazillionaire overnight. And then somebody will buy them out before they, before they ever get there. And that's their, they know that's possible. And they, and so what they're looking for is they're asking two questions. And so I always ask, so I, I then when I go to the executives and to their executive team and say, what, what's the typical question a millennial will ask you. And they're, they kind of, him and all, I said, do they ever ask why you're doing something? Oh, all the time. Why are you doing this? Why? So I would tell them why they go, why, you know, you know, why, that's okay. Here's here's why they're asking why, because they're trying to, here's why they're asking why. They know why you're doing it. They're not stupid. Your generation is the most educated generation in human history. This is globally, not just the United States, globally. Millennials are the most educated generation in human history. You have had so many demands put on you when you were going through school. When I was going through school, I didn't have homework. You know, mm. you did work in your class and you kind of got yeah. by, you got they were really low ACT standards to get into college. There was you just well, because a lot of people didn't go to college, so colleges was, were open to everyone basically. Uh, by the time your generation came along, the competition got very stiff, so you had to start taking ACT test, SAT test. You had to yep. do extracurricular activity. You had homework coming out the Yazoo. You had to take AP classes. We never, I never heard yeah. of an AP class going to high school. You'll have to take AP. So anyway, because of the competition to get into college. And the competition amongst high schools, the, the your your generation is phenomenally educated. Same thing in college, phenomenally educated. So the education is not the problem. So the the reason what you're at, why you're at, your generation asks the question why, is that they know why you're doing whatever it is. That's what frustrates the boomer. Why should I do this? Because I'm telling you to do it. <laughs> it's not telling me <laughs> why. So. <laughs> yeah, because I said so. Sit down and do your job. And that's what boomers were getting upset at because millennials were saying, well, why do I need to do this? You know, they're like, don't you understand? Anyway, they're not asking why you're having to do it. They're asking why it needs to be done at all, period. Mm. So once you figure that out, I'll, I'll, I'll just give you a, a, an example from an environmental perspective because I'm very familiar with that in business. Yeah. You know, why, why are we having to fill out this environmental permit? 
you know, why are we, why are we doing this program? Well, the client needs us to do it. Well, I know that, but why does the client need us to do it? Well, because they have to meet this regulation. Well, what, what's the regulation? Well, it's the Clean Water Act passed in 1972. And there were some, you know, things that were going on then that they passed this regulation that we need to keep the water clean. So therefore we need to prepare these permit applications. Then the next question they're going to ask, why was that act ever passed to begin with? Well, because again, there was this water, but why was there water pollution? Mm. And once they, what they're looking for is they're looking for that foundational why. Yeah. So once they get to the foundational why you're doing something, has nothing to do with the client asking you, they knew that, but what's the whole, what's the whole reason for this thing being done? Then they're going to ask you, how do you do it? Well, we go to a word processor, we pull out an old permit, kind of look how we filled one out before, add new data, that kind of stuff. And so what they're going to, what they do then is that then they start to think about how can I do this differently? Now that I know how you do it now, Mm -hmm. how can I invent something, a disruptor basically, yeah. For what you're doing to accomplish whatever was required in 1972, or even better yet, find out new information that's out there that would even that would that 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 regulation is no longer applicable and needs to be replaced. Mm-hmm. That's what they're looking for because they want to invent something. And so I so I tell the boomer to they'll listen to that story and they'll say, okay, yeah, right. I, I kind of get what you're saying. Okay, so here's what you do: find something you're working on, find your top three millennials that you have at your at access to you, get them together in your office and say, okay, this is what I'm working on. And tell them the why you're doing it, the foundational why this has to be done. Not why because you were hired to do it, but this is this is the foundational reason why it, it has to be done. And then tell them how you're going to do it. This is how I'm going to do it. And in fact, I'm working on it right now and I'm having difficulty with this. I need you to come up with, for me, a, a better way for me to do this or even a completely different way for me to do this, if that's possible. Otherwise, I'm going to turn this project over here. You're going to do it like I want it done. Right. Yeah. I said, uh, and I said, let, let them go and give them three to five days to work on this. And I said, typically within either the, and provide them whatever information they need. But before the next two days go by or three days, I said, they'll come back to your office and they'll probably actually have an app on a phone, not necessarily connected to the Internet, but they've got the wherewithal to actually get the app developed that will totally do it in a totally different way than you're accomplishing it using technology that will absolutely blow you away. Mm-hmm. And that's what's scaring boomers and older actors in the workforce right now. It's because they know they can do that. They know the millennial generation can do that and they can't. Yeah. You know, that's wild. You mentioned that. And I remember back whenever I was working for someone and they would give me these papers and say, every day this paper needs to be filled out by 10 AM. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to get carpal tunnel like filling out this paperwork and it's, it's ridiculous. Like I don't need to be filling this stuff out. We have GPS that actually comes into our computer that tracks the the service experts. We have another program that's telling us this stuff. Why don't we just use web hooks and just pull the information and then input it into an Excel form. And I created this Excel form back in 2005 that pulled GPS data. Everything was automatic. And then like you wanted at 10 AM, you wanted at nine, PM the night before. It doesn't matter. It's automatically there. And they were yeah. like, wow, you created this? I was like, this was simple. This took me like 10 <laughs> minutes. And, yeah. and, and th- well, they've been doing it the other way for five years and, and we're struggling to get it accomplished the the other way by 10 o'clock the, ne- the next day. So yeah, that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I, yeah, yeah. I loved doing that. That's the part that I really had fun doing. And then once it got, once it started really um, just evening out like once everything started working smooth then i got really bored and i that's whenever i was just like disrupted that's that's when i left that's when i started my own thing and i feel like whenever i talk to people it's it's i've gotten this stigma that i'm more of a wartime leader that whenever things are rocky that's whenever i'm i kick in but then whenever things get smooth that's whenever i kind of just 
fade away. Well, it is. It is this. You have been again. It's just it, part of its personality driven. I mean, yeah. we everybody has different personalities, but absolutely. Also, from your generation's perspective, it is that you have been educated in such a way and trained in such a way, and your culture is is telling you that there's there is something coming. And so if you're bored at work, if you're if you're kind of stagnant at work and things aren't really happening, there is this yearning inside of yourself that you want to go find whatever that to chase that whatever that is, because you know it's out there. Mm-hmm. And we're right on the cusp of this happening. And so when I say my, you know, the title of my book is Unleash the Millennials and Save the World. That's and that's what this this has to, this has to do with it, in that we are we are really at the crossroads because of the, you and I had mentioned to us before we, we got on the show, I mentioned to you that. The millennial generation, and, and I, I want my listeners to hear this because this is not a, a fabricated statement or just a you know trying to make a hyperbole of, of a statement. But I would, based upon my research, I would say that the millennial generation and the way that you think is is completely different than prior generations in 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 the workforce for the last four hundred years. Different. I mean, the way that you're thinking, not what you know. We all know basically the same thing. We know what we know. But how you process it, that information, what you're going to do with it is completely different. And I would say it's that that difference probably goes back to over a thousand years ago. We have not had a generation like the millennials. And again, this is a global millennials. We have not had a generation like millennials that are thinking so differently than prior generations, probably in over a thousand years. And so what, what, I'm, what I see coming and what I'm trying to get business leaders prepared for is that everything is about to change. And I mean, everything is about to change how we do business how we communicate, how we uh, how we think about the world, how we think about humanity, what is humanity, how we think about the planet, the cosmos, all these things are all about to change. Mm. And it's because your your generation is the is the first one in probably a thousand years to to really start with a blank slate and and have to figure it all out again. And what I mean by that is that when I mentioned this philosophical change, that when the uh, modern, what was called modern philosophy, ended after World War II. The seat or the home of modern philosophy was in, in Germany, the German philosophers, and in France with French philosophers, and in England with English philosophers. All three of those countries were decimated by World War II. Right. And so the philosophical construct of what was called modern philosophy under this hierarchy of called Western philosophy, which had lasted for 2,600 years, died. I mean, it just was gone. So this postmodern period came in, which is an anti-philosophy period, where there is no truth, there is no every everything is relative to yourself. You get yeah. to make up your own ideas of whatever reality is, and that's true for you. That kind of thinking has only happened culturally in, in this idea of Western philosophy. Two other times in history, it happened in the fifth uh, century uh, uh, A.D., mm-hmm. and then it happened in the sixteenth uh, century A.D. Those are the only two times we've been in this period where we're, where we're kind of without a mm-hmm. without a uh, without a guidance, and because of that, when I, when I say your your generation is, is operating on a completely blank slate, no one has captured this idea of truth and justice, truth and justice, and so the you know because there's what is true the whole idea of what is true and how do you know it's true? Right. Your generation your generation is going to capture that some of some thirty eight year old. Uh-huh. To, to 28-year-old is going to start looking at this and they're going to capture it. So then they're going to say, okay, what is true about human? What is true about life? Right? Because we really haven't looked about what is true about life in a long time. There have been scientific discoveries made in the last now about probably 150 years that have been buried by the scientific community because it goes against their narrative 
concept of Darwinianism evolution or neo-Darwinian evolution. It goes against that. Okay. It goes against the idea that we lived in a closed system universe where the, the second law of thermodynamics, you know, energy is neither created nor destroyed. The idea that you can't have, so if you ex- ex- expend energy, uh, there is no, the, 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 the energy is not lost somewhere. It doesn't go right. somewhere and no energy is added to the system. Well, what they're finding out, what they found out, not just today, a long time ago, is that we're living in an open system. There's there's energy coming from outside of our own reality. Uh, which is, so as your generation starts to say, what is true? They're going to start exploring this stuff. Right. And they're going to come up with unbelievable new answers, which, which have been, again, the scientific academy and the university systems globally have just shut this down. They will not let you talk about it. <laughs> so this is where the whole idea of aliens, do, are aliens around? Well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> are they? <laughs> uh, and where'd they come from? If they, if they are, I don't know. But your generation is going to, they're going to demand the answers. They're going to say, open the books. What is, what are UFOs? Where all this stuff come from? You're going to open the books on genetic research and the fact that there is a there is a language in DNA which we can't explain. It is so complex. It, it is it is like our alphabet, and the alphabet in the sequencing in the genetic code actually are are operating instructions and building instructions. So, okay, you're in the HVAC business, and you're going into it, and you when you're training somebody on how to put together an air conditioning system, or if they have a problem, this is how you fix it. Mm-hmm. And you have a book and you have a manual for your, for your employees. That manual is in each, is in each cell of our body for the entire body, all of the operating instructions and assembly codes and the assembly codes for the machines that make the stuff, the proteins in our body are mm-hmm. all contained in our DNA. Well, who put that information in there? <laughs> that's information. That's mind stuff. That's not random, random generated and your generation is going to start investigating that. Yeah. And they haven't been, no, no one's been allowed to yet because the boomers have been the gatekeepers of this. And we're Still the boomers are this. It. Yeah, we're this modern age. We're dying out. We're going to be dying out. In 2025, right now, 50% of the workforce globally is millennial. And most people don't realize that because they really haven't been given, some have been given great um, amounts of authority. And you're, you're an example of that. You've, you own mm-hmm. your own business and you're doing great. But in, in the corporate realm, that is to a lesser extent, although that's changing, by in t- five years, by 2025, 75% of the global workforce is going to be millennial because boomers are moving out. The last of the boomers will turn 65 on a demographic basis in 2027. Mm. So millennials are going to take over whether the boomers like it or not and the older actors like it or not. Millennials are going to take over. And so when millennials take over, they're going to start doing the things the way that they want it, be, way they want it done. And they're no longer going to accept somebody's excuse for why, they, why they're saying this is true because, oh, you're just saying that's true because that's your truth. That's what they're coming, where they're coming from. <laughs> I'm going to find out what's really true. It's going to radically change the world. And so it can radically change it for good or for bad. And the reason why I say that is AI is coming in. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, AI, no, no one has, I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you familiar with the Great Pyramid in Giza? Yeah. Okay. Now, it just looks like a big stack of disheveled rocks today, right? But it's right. in the shape of a pyramid. Like I said, well, when it was, when it was in its heyday. It was phenomenal. It's one of the greatest archaeological features on the planet Earth today. It right. is located with, with its north face facing absolute north, not magnetic north. And that's different. There's di- there's a difference. Right, right. With like an unbelievable amount of error, like it's a very insignificant amount of error in that measurement. Uh, it's got, it has the concept of pi in it. There's all kinds of things that associate, associate with it. It's built with stones, you know, you know, 50 tons, 100 right. ton stones. Yeah. I think the average weight of the stones is like six tons. Uh, it was it was encased in limestone, highly highly uh, uh, polished limestone. 
anyway, we see it today and it just, it just sits there. Well, something happened because we don't know how they built it. It, it, it looks like it was laser cut or cut fine. Yeah. I mean, these are not ragged stones. These are finely cut stones. Uh, you know, where, what was what was the technology that they used to cut those stones? And how did they ever lift them up? And they have, you know, well, they have, you know, a million Egyptian slaves pulling these rocks. That never <laughs> happened. It just never happened that way. There was something, there was some way that the Egyptians did that, which we don't know about. Now, they wrote a lot of stuff. They have all these Egyptian hieroglyphics. They don't explain how they actually built these pyramids. But we know that they're there, and we, we know what they what they used to look like. Yeah. And so then we have to say, well, what happened? What happened to that technology? What happened to that That's ability that, that we that we lost it? That's where we're going. And then why did why did it why did it disappear? And why aren't there more pyramids? Well, it's, well, they got they got pyramids all over the world. That's a whole other question. Yeah, pyramids down in Mexico. And, but all that to say, yeah, is the Mayans. The generation, and then why why are there the consistencies even though they didn't have internet or communication? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But see, your generation, the, the millennial generation, and the and Z generation coming after you are going to be the ones who are going to be the pyramid builders. You're you're going to do something so dramatic that's going to last ages that no one's ever going to be able to explain unless you leave a unless you leave a trail. We gotta um, do better than hieroglyphics. <laughs> well, you know, think think about it. Okay, everything's everything's on a computer. Just think of what whatever your generation can come up with. It's going to be phenomenal. I'm telling you, it's going to be unbelievable, phenomenal. By 2040, uh, you know, we may be like the Jetsons, the old cartoon show, riding around in uh, levitating devices, right? With not run on gas, yeah. run on for, you know zero zero uh, zero point energy, free energy. Yeah, I don't know uh, if the uh, the the fuel industry. Would allow that. I feel like there's well, you know, that, that's what uh, or again, that, that that's your your generation is <laughs> not going to put up with that. You know, yeah. you're, you're not you're not going to put up with it. You're going to say, well, who cares about the anyway, the whole banking system, the financial system, all that's going to change. So it's going to be very very exciting. But all that to say is, it's all electronic. Yeah. You know, all somebody has to do is drop an EMP somewhere, which is a nuclear device exploded above the ground surface, and all your electronics are gone. Very true. Cell phones, yeah. everything. All your banking records are gone. Everything's gone. Everything's gone. And this is and it's very easy to do. So you, we can lose it very quickly, but that, from all that from that perspective, it, the impiety of saving the world is it is is critical for your generation, somebody in your generation, to come up with a with a, a new set of uh, ethics and morals. Really, not just the United States, but globally. Of this, we can do this, but we can't do that because AI technology is coming in that'll. Uh, are going to do, uh, it's going to introduce a lot of things, workforce, you know, I mean, we, we could eliminate a lot of our workforce just with AI. Is it? Yeah. It should and, be and that's, I had a guest on a few months ago who we were, t we were talking about that and it's a scary reality, but at the same time, like it's a need in the industries in, in a lot of industries and bringing that AI in and people are like, well, it's going to get rid of a lot of general laborers. And unfortunately, like the time, the time to suck has passed. Like you can't just be a, somebody who doesn't put forth effort in, in growing your skills, what, whatever the skill may be. Um, yeah, right, yeah. So that, that AI is going to get rid of it. Yeah. They got, they got 3d printers right now that are printing buildings, literally printing. buildings. I, I have seen that like concrete, like yeah, it's not oh, concrete. Yeah. 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 They're going to, they're going to do the, all the electrical, everything in it. They're going to, they're going to get it to where they can do the whole building, electrical, mechanical. This is going to be 3d printed in. <laughs> that is wild. That's <laughs> pretty wild. Pretty wild. <laughs> Phil, I thank you so much. Where can we get your book? So it's on Amazon. It's on. It's in both paperback and uh, e Kindle, Kindle ebook. Okay. Uh, go to Amazon.com. Unleash the millennials and save the world. And I've also included in there a coaching program of how to help prepare millennials in that regard to help them to empower them uh, in their uh, development 
advancement in their work work life career, and then uh, how to find uh, meaning, purpose, and calling. It's all it's all in the book. Cool. Thank you, Phil. Thanks. Thanks for sharing all this. It's uh, it's a refreshing. It's a bit of fresh air to hear positive spin on millennials versus the negative. Oh man, y'all, y'all, y'all gonna do y'all gonna do great things. Y'all gonna do great things. Cool. I appreciate it. And anybody that has any questions, how can they reach out to you? To learn more about you. Uh, they can uh, two two ways. You can go to unleashthemillennials.com. dot mm-hmm. That's my book site. It's got a link to my to myself on that book site or my business website is engineeringleadershipdesign.com. It's a long, long URL, but it's engineeringleadershipdesign.com. Thanks, Phil. And thank you, anybody that's watching or listening to this episode of the Service Business Mastery Podcast. Please don't hesitate to reach out to Phil if you have any questions, if you'd like to further this conversation or reach out to myself if you have anything that you'd like to ask me, whether it's pertaining to this topic or, or another topic. But with that being said, I hope I helped answer some unasked questions. I hope Phil uh, did the same. And uh, thank you again for listening to or watching this episode. And I look forward to talking to you again next week on the Service Business Mastery Podcast. It's a podcast focused on service business owners, managers, and technicians who are considering becoming business owners themselves. Until we talk again next week, be safe out there. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to this episode of Service Business Mastery. Now that you are equipped with essential business advice from this impactful conversation, you are one step closer to becoming the successful owner of your dreams. If this episode has been helpful to your business journey, don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and share it with other owners as well. Visit servicebusinessmastery.com to learn more.